He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Morning scripture reading will be found in two different places in God's word. If you first would be turning to Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Revelation 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And the second scripture will be found in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? He loved to sing praise to his God. And he found himself fighting in World War I. And some of the biggest fighting occurred in the Argonne Forest during World War I. And this man who so loved to sing praise to God, when he had a moment, would sing songs about Jesus. And sometimes the soldiers on both sides stopped firing their guns. And for a moment, there was peace. He said the song that he would always sing was the same. In the heat of the conflict, he would sing... Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. I wonder how many conflicts have ceased, at least for a while, when one thought on those words. You know, no one can really sing I love to tell the story as important and as beautiful as that song is without first being able to sing with all their heart, tell me the story of Jesus. That's exactly what I've endeavored to do over the last few Sundays. We've looked at the gospel of salvation, the best news ever. And what we've done in this study is look at the gospel in the gospel accounts. Then we took some time and we looked at the gospel in the book of Acts. We looked last Sunday at the gospel in the letters of Paul. And today we'll look at the gospel in the general letters and the book of Revelation. 
We've got quite a ways to go, but we'll make it together. There's a lot to think about. And I'll tell you this much. If you've been present for the whole series, I suspect you've been greatly blessed. Because the gospel is harmonious. When God says something's necessary for salvation or forgiveness, other things may be necessary too that are found elsewhere in the Bible. But nevertheless... And when we put all of the things together that contribute to our salvation, that make our forgiveness possible, it really is the story of Jesus. It really is. In creation, we see the hand of God. We see His power and might. We see incredible design. But in the gospel, we see God's heart. We see His love and mercy and compassion. And we see who God is and what He's like by looking at Jesus, His Son. You know, at the heart of sin is arrogance. Isn't that really true? At the heart of sin is arrogance. We basically say, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you want. This is what I want. My will be done. And the essence of salvation is humility. A person that's really willing to humble themselves has already won quite a few battles. Isn't that true? And think of Jesus who humbly left the glory of heaven and came down to bear our sins. Open your Bibles to Hebrews. We're going to go from Hebrews through Revelation quickly. When you look at Hebrews, it has been called the epistle, the letter of better things. That is a key expression, better or superior. Open your Bible to Hebrews 2 and verse 3. We're going to look at some of the passages that deal with salvation, that deal with the gospel, that deal with our forgiveness in Christ. Hebrews 2 and verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Friends, there's one thing worse than rejecting the gospel outright. It's embracing the gospel only to later neglect it in our lives. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Our salvation is great because of its giver, Jesus Christ. And because of what it accomplishes, forgiveness of sins. And because of what it promises, eternity with God in glory. Go down just a few verses. I would encourage you to mark verse 3, so great a salvation. Then I would encourage you to focus on verses 9 and 10. That Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted of death for every man. A great salvation is possible in Christ. 
Jesus tasted of death for every man because of God's amazing grace. And notice what this accomplishes. Verse 10. He's able to bring many sons and daughters to glory. He is the founder of our salvation. You may have the word captain if you're reading from an older translation. Or the pioneer of our salvation. Jesus is the one who blazed the trail in making our salvation a reality. Turn in your Bibles now to Hebrews 5 and verse 9. Hebrews 5 verse 9. What's said about salvation and forgiveness and the best news ever in this book that emphasizes better things in Jesus? He has become the author of eternal salvation to all that obey Him. What He gives is eternal in its duration, unending unceasing and then the emphasis upon responding to God's grace responding to what God has done in Jesus to all that obey him you have to let the Bible speak we are without apology just focusing on the scripture itself as we look at the best news ever and the gospel in the letters, the general letters, and in the book of Revelation. Okay? Look at Hebrews 6, verse 9. Hebrews 6, verse 9. Beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you, things that accompany salvation. I would mark that expression. There are things that accompany our salvation in Christ. Things like faith and hope and love, 1 Corinthians 13. Keep on developing our faith, having a strong and buoyant hope, and being a person like Jesus of greater love. Look, if you will, at yet another passage, Hebrews 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25. He is able to save to the uttermost or to save completely, perfectly, those who draw near to God through Him. The only way that we're saved by the grace of God, by the Son of God, is to draw near to God through Jesus. Only way. Hebrews 9.22 Hebrews 9.22 Without the shedding of blood, mark the expression, there is no remission, there is no forgiveness, there is no salvation. So apart from Jesus shedding His blood on our behalf, there could be no salvation. And what I think is fascinating is this. We can go through the 27 books of the New Testament in their basic divisions, the gospel accounts, the book of history, the letters, then the general letters and the book of Revelation, and we can see the gospel message told over and over beautifully. So much so that we could use different parts of the New Testament to show someone what they need to do 
in order to be right with God and what God has done for us to be right with Him. Isn't that amazing? And then you put it all together, it is such an overwhelming and cumulative case. God has made Himself clear what the answer is to the question, what must be done to be saved? Open your Bibles to Hebrews 10, 22. Then we'll move on to James. Hebrews 10, 22. Having your body washed with what? Pure water. By submitting to having our bodies washed in pure water, humbly submitting... The shedding of blood of Jesus is contacted. It's reached. The grace of God that makes salvation possible through Jesus is reached. A person no longer has an evil conscience, but a cleansed one. Look at the text. And it is very hard to get over, given the fact so much of the New Testament talks about water and its connection with water baptism, it's hard to get over this in Hebrews 10.22. Open your Bibles to James. Let's focus on four or five references to the gospel, to the plan of salvation, how we can be right with God and Jesus from the book of James. Notice James 1.21. Receive with meekness, receive humbly. Receive with meekness, with great humility, the engrafted word, the message, which is able to save your souls. How hungry are you? I have a little granddaughter that's like me, especially when it comes to eating. I have never seen such focus and attentiveness in my life. Now, she burns the calories, but when she is eating, she is focused. Oh, to have a focus like that when it comes to hearing God's Word and taking it in. Some of us say a lot about our God being the God of our belly more than the God of our soul. Think about that. James 2.14. James 2.14. What does it profit, brethren, if a man says he has faith but has not works? What does it profit? And then he asked another question. Can that faith save him? An active, humble, loving, responding faith saves. So says the book of James. So says the New Testament. Look at James 4, verses 11 and 12. James 4, verses 11 and 12. In James 4, 11 and 12, 
There is one lawgiver, verse 12, and judge who is able to save and to destroy. We look to the one God who is the supreme lawgiver and the supreme judge to save us. Turn to James 5 and verse 20. Converting one who is in sin from the error of their ways saves a soul from death and covers a multitude of sins. Saves a soul from death and covers a multitude of sins. We are in James chapter 5. Notice verse 20. In that passage, James is talking about sinners, people who go astray from God. But think about how ultimately it applies to Jesus. Because what Jesus does is come down so that a multitude of sins could be covered and we could be saved. Maybe it would do a lot of us a lot more good when we try to talk to brothers and sisters who go astray to remember that at one point we were the ones that were astray. Amen? Hebrews, James. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter. A book of hope and grace and glory. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It talks about how we received Great mercy. Great mercy. 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. I'd mark that expression. If I am saved, it will be because of the great mercy of God. Now, that's not all. But there's no way to take it out when God's put it there. If anyone is saved, it will be by the great mercy of God. Amen to that. Keep looking at 1 Peter 1. Notice verse 5. Verse 5. That we are kept by faith. We are kept through faith by the power of God. What that does is put the emphasis exactly where it needs to be. It puts the emphasis on God who can keep us saved. And yet, Brother Bill, on the other hand, it puts the emphasis on human responsibility through faith. And since God has put those together, let's not separate them, okay? Look at 1 Peter 1 and verse 9 and 10. 1 Peter 1 verses 9 and 10. In 1 Peter 1, 9 and 10, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Faith becoming sight when we see Jesus and are with Him forever. Next verse, verse 10. This salvation, the prophets of old inquired and searched into because they long to see and to understand more of the grace which would be ours because of Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 2. 
What that tells me in 1 Peter 1, 9 and 10 is that there had been people who had been waiting for a long time to be able to enjoy the blessings that are ours right now in Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes long for the sincere spiritual milk of the word that you might grow thereby into salvation. That you might grow. Again, that hunger for the story of Jesus. 1 Peter 3.21 1 Peter 3.21 The passage says, Baptism does now also save you. The passage reads that, doesn't it? Can you mark it in 1 Peter 3.21? That baptism does now also save you. The passage does not say baptism does not now save you. There are many religious people who believe that, but that's not what 1 Peter 3.21 says. Therefore, we let what the Scripture says concerning the matter of forgiveness and salvation and a relationship with God be decided by the Savior and the author of salvation, not the subjects of salvation. 2 Peter 3, verse 15. And I love this one. It's a great passage to remember whenever you feel like you're at your wit's end. You're frazzled. You're burning the candles at both ends. You're at the proverbial end of the rope. 2 Peter 3.15 says, It is by the patience of God that we're saved. He's been waiting on some of us for quite a while to straighten up. Isn't that the truth? I'm so glad that God is patient. And if we are saved, all of us will be able to look back and talk about the fact that God was patient with us. Aren't you glad that He is? First, second, and third John. Y'all didn't think I was going to make it, did you? It's interesting when you get to the letters of John, eternal life is what is mentioned. Eternal life. Not so much forgiveness, not so much salvation, not so much redemption, though those are involved, they're, in, they're to be inferred. Look at 1 John chapter 1 and look at verse 2. 1 John chapter 1 verse 2. We proclaim to you the eternal life. That eternal life has come. And it's come in the form of the one that we have heard and touched and believed. Jesus Eternal life comes through Him. Go down, if you would, 
to 1 John 2, 25. Mark this one in your Bible. This is the promise that we have from Him. Eternal life. This is the promise we have from Him. Eternal life. Three passages from 1 John 5. Turn to 1 John chapter 5 with me. Salvation is a promise of God and God can't lie. That's something I can hold on to as I look to Him in faith. 1 John 5 and verse 11. That we have life in Him and life is in His... Where? His Son. We have life in Him and life is in His Son. Look at verse 13, and there are many members of the churches of Christ that need to think long and hard and meditate on this passage. These things I have written to you that you may what? Hope you have eternal life. Guess you feel uh, that you, ha- you feel for a moment. You may know you have eternal life. While the Bible does not teach once saved, always saved, on the one hand, Neither does it teach that we must live in constant fear and dread. We ought to love the Lord and humbly serve that He and serve Him, and that He's able to do what He promised as we rely on Him. First John five and verse twenty. First John five verse twenty. This is the true God and eternal. Life, the Son has come. It's the difference between daylight and dark, blindness, and perfect vision and insight. I mentioned the hymn, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. It was one of about 9,000 hymns that Fanny J. Crosby wrote. She and a man by the name of John Swinney wrote, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. She had never been able to read the pages of the Bible because when she was six weeks old, she was blind and remained that way for the rest of her life. And she is able to write a song like Tell Me the Story of Jesus that is virtually one scripture compiled upon another. And she'd never been able to open her Bible the way we have. How hungry are you? The book of Jude. Turn to Jude verse 3. Jude puts it this way. I had desired, I greatly desired to write to you about the common salvation. The common salvation we have in Jesus. Mark that because we are going to have a lot in common as those who are delivered and rescued and forgiven, saved in Christ. He wanted to write about that, but he said, I needed to write that you would know to contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to all the saints. 
the common salvation and the faith, the faith are one and the same. Only by embracing the faith can you have the salvation that Jesus makes possible for all. The book of Revelation. It is astounding to me how much this book has to say about forgiveness, about salvation. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation 1.5. I'll focus only on about six passages from Revelation. Revelation 1.5. In the initial description of Jesus... As John, through the Holy Spirit, paints a portrait of Jesus for the very first time in the book of Revelation, he describes Jesus as the one who washed us, who loosed us from our sins. Washing has to do with cleansing. Loosing has to do with liberating or freeing. No one is freed from the slavery of sin apart from Jesus. And no one is clean regardless of how often they shower if they have not been washed by Jesus in his word. No one. No one who knows right from wrong. Keep following the line of thought in the book of Revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Worthy. Worthy of the salvation. He's worthy because He's given us the salvation, the power, the strength the kingdom of God, and by His, the authority of Christ. By His Christ, the authority. And notice it says, these things have come, salvation and power and strength, and the kingdom and authority have come. And then it says that the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. You got to love the way it's put. You've got God's power and God's authority and His salvation mentioned on one hand and on the other hand, the devil's been knocked out. The devil is a defeated being. That's Revelation 7, 9, and 10, and Revelation 12 and verse 10. In Revelation 7, he's worthy because he has purchased with his blood people of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Revelation 7, 9, and 10. Revelation 12, 10. Two more. Revelation 19, 1. 
Revelation 19.1 is the basis for Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. Terry mentioned that in the opening words, the word hallelujah and what it means. From beginning to end, the Bible is a hallelujah. Praise God for what he does in saving men. And so you have this loud chorus of hallelujah in Revelation 19.1. Turn finally to Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Many more passages could have been mentioned from each of these books, but I want you to get the picture of the story. Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Are your robes washed or are they still stained by sin? that they may have the right to enter the city because nothing unclean and stained will enter in. And really what the passage will go on to do in verse 17 is say the spirit and the bride say come. An invitation to whosoever will come. Wash your robes. Look to the Savior. Come to the city and enjoy being in the presence of God forevermore. You know, you don't have to offer an invitation when you just preach the gospel because the invitation is going to be offered. If your robes have not been made white, by the gracious provision of God, of Jesus and His blood, you need to turn to Jesus in faith and repentance and baptism. For those of us who are Christians, how encouraging it is to know that the New Testament is a message of salvation in Christ. And that He really is all the world to us and the world to come. We've been talking a good bit about evangelism lately, and shortly I'm sure Terry will have an evangelism moment on behalf of the elders. No one can really love to tell the story until they first love the story and really what it means. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word. If I go blind, help my heart to remember. If I become deaf and unable to hear, may what His Word says ever ring in my mind and heart. And when I don't think as clearly as I would like to think, maybe due to dementia or Alzheimer's, May the last thing I lose be the story of Jesus. Because that's all that's really going to matter. Come judgment time. Let us stand and sing.